Did you know that God has a vision for you individually? I Think about that. God has a vision for you. God has a vision for you, and he wants you to find it because he wants you to actually walk in that, fulfill your destiny, and uh, he wants to be pleased with you. God has that vision. Today we're talking about how to find that fresh vision and start in that fresh vision of God for your life. Are you ready to jump in? Let's, let's get on the path and in the vision of God, and let's move towards his plans and his purposes for your life. So welcome, you guys. So glad to have you. Uh, we've been talking about vision all week long. Thank you. We've been talking about vision all week long, and today we're talking about how to move into that fresh vision, how to start with vision, and Mm -hmm. uh, I love that idea that Mm -hmm. God has vision for you, like God has vision for you. I mean, the creator of the universe has vision for you, has vision for you. The creator of the universe has vision for you, and it's not a matter of whether or not it exists. Yeah. It's a matter of whether or not you find it and you complete it. That's yeah. what that's what matters. It exists. God has that vision for every person. That's right. Yeah. And uh, you know, when He said that, I long that no one uh, mm-hmm. would fall away, but everyone would come to repentance and basically be saved and come into the family of God and have yeah. an inheritance. Yeah. He was saying, I long that every person would take up the plan that I have for their life, that they'd take up that vision. And, uh, you know, we've been talking all week, started back on Sunday at church and then uh, yesterday and here talking about finding that vision. We've really talked about finding your vision in the place where you're planted, and that is such a huge key. That's That's probably, in my opinion, the number one reason why people don't complete their vision is they never find their vision at the right place or the vision that they find is biased or slanted or yeah. skewed yeah. and uh, because their heart is not to go after God. And so they try to fulfill something that God hasn't empowered them to fulfill. Right. And they may fulfill great things according to the corrupted world's thinking, but it's not great at all yeah. uh, according to God. And so we don't want to just do good things. We want to yeah. do God things. Yeah. Put that in the comments. We don't want to just do good things. We yeah. want to do God things, right? Yeah. Godly things. Yeah. And uh, so one of those first aspects of starting fresh in your vision and starting in your vision is realizing that God has vision for you. Yeah. Like right. God has vision for you. And so I want to I want to look at a couple of uh, I want to look at a couple of verses. And the first one is, is this is in Jeremiah 29. We've been looking at it. Uh, But I want you to see this, that Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you to give you a future Mm -hmm. and a hope. I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. I'd like for you also to look at Jeremiah uh, chapter 1 and verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 says this, God said, before you were born, I knew you and had holy plans for you. Yeah. Like, and God's not a respect. Now, he's speaking directly to Jeremiah, mm-hmm. but God's not a respecter of persons. Yeah. If he's got plans for Jeremiah, he has plans for every person. Yeah. This shows you 
the way of God. Yeah. That Absolutely. God has vision and plans before we're ever, ever born. Yeah. And those plans, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, is they're good yeah. to give you a future uh, and a hope. A hope is to give you joy, confidence, and expectation and yeah. not for your calamity. Yeah. So God's got good vision. Put it in the comments right now. The first thing to starting a vision is to know that God has good vision for you. Yeah. God has good vision for you. Yeah. And and so we see this, look at we see this in uh 1 John 4. It says, "You have overcome because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world." Yeah. So when God gets involved in your vision, he gives you a vision to overcome. Yeah. Now, I want you to see this. God's vision for you is to overcome. Yeah. God's vision for you is to overcome. His, he has a good vision for you, right? Yeah. You yeah. see this. Uh, Joshua 1.8, God told Joshua that he would be prosperous and have good success. Yeah. Why? Because God had a plan. Yeah. God had a vision for Joshua. And, and you see that Jesus said that some things are impossible for man, but all things are possible with God. So yeah. the first step of starting with your vision is know that God has a good vision for you. Uh, many people don't know that. Think about this. How many people actually know that in a revelatory fashion? Like they have revelation. They are illuminated on that. I know God has good stuff for me. Yeah. I mean, how many people know that? Yeah. Not many. Not well, like, no. Honestly, like what, what I've seen is most people just assume that everything that happens is God's vision and God's plan for them. You know, like yeah, when, when that's what the devil comes, would want. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what yeah. the devil's been been pumping yes. for for a long time. Is that is that if this happened to you, it's God's will. If this bad thing yeah. happened to you, it's God's will. So like, there, there's there might even be people watching right now who like when they hear you say God has good plans for you. Yeah, like yeah. like if if there's like a history of religion in there, like yeah. there could be like a you can't tell me that because right. of all these other things. You can't say that God had good plans for. For Peter when he was crucified on a cross upside down, but like Peter walked on water, Peter raised the dead, Peter's shadow yeah. healed the sick. Yeah. You know, Peter, yeah. like Peter saw Jesus raise the dead, Peter himself raised the dead. Like he saw a lot of amazing things, you know, yeah. and, and through yeah. his hands, a lot of amazing things happen. You know, and even his ministry is still changing things today. His yeah. his life was wonderful. You know, it, it yeah. was full of wonders. Before Christ, it was miserable. <laughs> But yes. with Christ, yeah. it was wonderful, right? right? And um, and that was when he chose to submit himself to God's vision for him. You know, yes. God had a good vision for him, but he had to submit to that vision. You know, um, and, right. and 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 same thing with us. You know, God's plans for us is good. You know, yeah. God's thoughts for us is good. Like you look at Israel whenever they came out of Egypt, right? God's will for them was to be in the promised land in a matter of two weeks. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. like he was leading them right there, but they but they took their eyes off of that vision and put it on the situation and the circumstance and the giants. And they're like, oh, they're yeah. going to destroy us. And because of that, because they took their eyes off of God's vision, they weren't able to enter into it. But God's vision for them was good. You read multiple times through the, throughout the prophets when yeah. God speaks to Israel through them saying, I just wanted to get you to the good land. I, my <laughs> vision for you was good. Like Jeremiah 29, 11, people would yeah. say that... You know, uh, in religion, because I grew up in religion and I used to say these things, you know, <laughs> that, well, you're taking, you can't, you know, like, in context, God was saying, like, they were in exile. So what God was saying was their exile 
was actually good for them. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like that's what people would say. But no, the very thing that God is saying in that is what you're seeing is not my plans for you. <laughs> yes, you know? yeah. Because he's telling them to repent. Yeah. <laughs> he's telling them, to, he's giving them an instruction so that when they turn back to him, they can enter right back into his, his vision for yeah. them. Yes. So yeah. like, if God had a vision for you and you knew about it in the past, God's not saying right now, you know, well, like if you're going through hard things or, or whatever, he's not saying this is my vision for you. He's saying, yeah. hey, I have a good vision. I have a good plan for you. Plan yeah. to prosper you. If what you've seen has harmed you, that's not my vision for you. Look yeah. to me because I have a good vision for you. Come to yeah. me and, and walk in my vision and it'll give you a future and hope. Yeah. Something I've found is when people don't know that God has a good present and also a good future for them, yeah. it has taken away all hope. And I've found it's made things a lot easier just for people not to care. Yeah. And just like, well, it doesn't really matter what I do now. It's not like, you know, it's going to affect much. Or or even, like, like, I'm thinking about, like, even, like, protecting themselves. Like, I'm going to defend myself right now because my life is in my hands. My future is in my hands. And if I don't do something, who's going to defend me? Right. I will have, I won't have a future if I don't defend myself. But when we know that we know that God has a future... God has hope for us. God has a vision for us right now and in the future, and it is great things. Then all of a sudden, peop, defending yourself doesn't really matter. I don't really care what that person thinks, if they think good or bad of me, yeah. because God thinks good of me, and that's all that matters is his yeah. plan. So I don't need to defend myself. I know his plans won't change yeah. because of what they think of me. Or they won't give in to like little petty whims here and there or like little whims of the flesh here and there and giving in to them because they know, no, I'm not going to fall for that. God has great things for me. And yes. now is I cannot falter now because there are great things and there's no time to waste now. Yeah, amen. There's, think about this is the way of the kingdom of God. The way of the kingdom of God is for God to lay out his promises, his character, yeah. his nature. And then it's our job to utilize the measure of faith that he gave us in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And so he says, I'm going to give you the measure of faith so that you can grab hold of, that you can appropriate, ascertain uh, what you need, right? Yeah. You can grab hold of what I promise you. Yeah. And so God will give us the measure of faith, but then he'll let us know from his word, I have vision for you. Yeah. Now, how, and a lot of people are like, well, vision will just come. Yes, it, it will as you do the right things, yeah. right? A lot of people never connect with their vision that God mm -hmm. has for them because they never apply the faith to grab a hold of it. Now, Remember that faith is not just sitting there as like, Lord, show me vision for my life. Show me vision for my life. Show me vision for my life. That's not just faith. Faith without works yeah. is dead. Um, you want to confess that vision, speak that vision, but yeah. you also want to be in place and doing those things. So a lot of times people think that God's just going to zap them with his blessings, but that's not the way of the kingdom, is it? Yeah. The way of the kingdom of God is not that you just get zapped with blessings. Yeah. Blessings are released. And then blessings are grabbed a hold of with our faith, right? Mm -hmm. And so if this is the victory that overcomes the world or overcomes the lack, 
When I'm lacking vision, I need to apply faith for that vision. Well, where does that start? Uh, Faith, uh, to grab a hold of anything, starts with the promise and the knowledge that God has made it available to you. So when you go into the Bible and you see that God has a vision for you, just in the scriptures that we just read, you see God has vision for me. Now let me grab a hold of it with my faith. So if you want to start with vision, you start with knowing that God has a plan for you, that you are his beloved. If you're in the family of God, he has vision for you. If you're not in the family of God, get into the family of God by accepting Jesus as your Savior, and God will give you vision. He's got great plans. But if you're not in his family, that's not going to advance his kingdom and basically multiply goodness over the earth. You'll be multiplying darkness and corruption. You may not even try to do that. But if you're not renewed to that goodness, that's going to be the result. You take anything and multiply it, Uh, it's going to get better or worse based off of what the original was. That's why Jesus says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So you take a little bit of corruption and you don't work on that and get that out of there, it's going to multiply across your life. So God says, I'll give you the vision that you need. Come be a part of me. Come be a part of my family. Get yourself good. Get yourself in that position of right and good, and then let me multiply you. I'll give you that vision. But you can see that if we're going to start with vision, the first thing we got to know is that God's given us faith to grab a hold of a promise. Yeah. And yeah. the promise is he has vision for you. Yeah. He has yeah. vision for you. Yeah. He has vision for you, yeah. right? Yeah. When, when you mentioned leaven, the, the other thing that came up to me was when Jesus told the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Yeah. Right? He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples are like, he's saying that because we don't have bread. And yeah, yeah. Jesus is like, why are you saying that? <laughs> like, why are you saying this because we don't have bread? Don't you understand? Are your hearts still hard? Like, yeah. it's just funny. But anyway, um, like, it's just, anyway. But uh, he, uh, but then he says, but then they recognize that he was talking about the teachings of the Pharisees, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we we live in a world where where the world will tell us, you know, God's not good. Yeah. And the world yeah. will tell us that. That he doesn't have good things for us. The world will say, if God is so good, which is literally Correct. the mm-hmm. devil talking. You yeah. know, like if God's so good, why does he let this happen? If God's yes. so good, why why you know, all these different things that we allow yeah. as humanity. But um, but like even the church, like e- e- you'll even get this in the church. That's why we need to t- you know, test the spirits, you know, yeah. what, what yeah. spirit they're from, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because even in the church you'll hear people talk about how God sent this. On America, God did right, this, right, right. you know, to yeah. to the church. Now, like, you you, you know what I mean? Like, and, and so we need to make sure that that we're being intentional with who we're listening to, what we're watching, right. what we're listening to. You know, what news we're watching. Like, I, I like one thing Bill Johnson said. He said, if you get more input from the mainstream media than from the Word of God, then your discouragement is self-inflicted. Yes. Like, <laughs> like if we're always receiving bad news. You know, what, what are we going to alter, what, you know, if that leaven is getting in, put inside of us, what yeah. ultimately is going to produce out of us? You know, bad. Correct. <laughs> you know, cause, yeah. Or why? Because we're always ingesting it, so now we're meditating on it, and that's going to be what comes out of us, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, so, and so we need to make sure that we're intentional with the voices we're listening to, the music that we're listening to, the, 
the movies and the shows and the, the news and the articles and all these different things and the, the media. Like, we need to basically beware of the leaven, you know, yes. because yeah. that yeah. can grow, you know, and so we need to... You need to be intentional about that. Well, if you think about when he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, ultimately the Pharisees were basically preaching their vision. This is how I envision that this is. This is how I envision that we should go to these things and do these. So he's saying, beware of their vision. And a a statement I was actually looking for er earlier is basically this. Vision, proper vision, sees the solution. Proper godly vision sees the solution, right? Put that in the comments. And you you want to talk about something to quote and put out there and make a memo. Proper godly vision sees the solution. And think think about this now. Uh, And I I love this statement. Is that Joshua and Caleb saw a promised land. Yeah. But the Israelites saw the giants. Yeah. Yeah. See, proper vision sees it. And, and then that vision is taken back by the 12 spies, yeah. right? That vision's taken back by the 12 spies. And the whole of Israel, that whole generation that had too much of the world in them, too much yeah. of Egypt in them, listened to the wrong vision. They were not wary of yeah. bad vision, yeah. of solution, promise-minded vision, they, yeah. they didn't see it with eyes of faith. They saw it with eyes of doubt. And they, they listened to the wrong vision. And because of that, none of them, none of them entered the vision of God. None of them entered that promised land. That whole generation yeah. had to fall. None of them entered into that mind, Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua were the only ones that actually entered into the promised land. And why? Why, why did they enter into that promised land? Because their vision, they lined up their vision with God's vision. They said, God, this is your vision. Your vision is a promised land. We don't see giants. We don't see giants. They might be there. We don't see them. We see the promised land. They were absolute. They were fully persuaded on God's vision. So this becomes very important. And when you're starting your vision, first of all, know that God has a vision. But second, second part of that is, Make sure that that vision is coming from God. Don't yeah. just take any vision. Yeah. And just because you have dreams, know that those dreams can come up from a corrupted flesh. They can be of God, but they can come up from a corrupted flesh as well. From a you corrupted know? burrito. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it can. A corrupted burrito, yeah. yeah. Are, are, how many are not corrupted? I'm not sure. <laughs> Especially if you find them at a gas station. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> um, but think about this. Is uh, That'll be a great clip. <laughs> um, think about this. Now, I, I got all t- twisted sorry. around a burrito now. <laughs> the other day we were watching a... Um, the other day we were watching a... A documentary of sorts. I think it was more of a sales pitch about this, you know, multi, not just multi-million. It was like, what, $250 million Mm -hmm. apartment in uh, New York. And it is amazing. Like, I mean, just looking at it, it causes you to dream and think bigger. But now I want you to watch this. Just because I watched that, does that mean that God's, like, I felt it. Like, I'm watching that. I could feel that. Like, I want to be there. I want to go 
in that place. Like, I want to go see that place, you know. I desire to, like, see the views from that place. Because it's like 1,400 feet in the air. It's overlooking the whole island of New York. Beautiful. I mean, just, and not only that, just what a work. What a masterpiece (laughs) of sorts, you know. Like, just what, and and it had a terrace overlooking, you could look, you know, north and south down the island. And uh, just, just beautiful. I want my flesh wants to go do that. My flesh wants to see that, right? I, I desire to see that. And I felt it. I could feel it. I, you, you understand when you see something like that, it's like, oh, man, I feel that. I, I, want, I want to do that. You can feel that. And, and a lot of times, those that sense yeah. and that feeling can be generated by godly thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not like that thing was you know, overly ugly. It wasn't an ugly feeling. It was a good feeling, right? But those feelings can also be generated by things that are not godly. And that's why I said earlier, we want to do things that are not just good. This is a good thing, but not necessarily godly. Many people would take that in immaturity. They would take that, receive that for themselves. God's telling me I can have that apartment. And God wasn't saying that any more than the man in the moon was saying that to you. He, what yeah. happened was you got your feelings there, and, and vision has now become skewed and biased. And you have right. to learn what's coming from the flesh and what's coming from the Spirit. Here's what I don't have from the Spirit. I don't have from the Holy Spirit. I don't have from God. I'm giving you that. I want you to go get that. No, yeah. I'll tell you what I did get from the Spirit Think bigger. Yeah. Think bigger. Think bigger. I'm telling you, it helped me think bigger. That's now yeah. I know, and I know I can I can delineate between the two. I can divide them up and say, oh, I know my flesh wants to go do that and be there, but I know I know that didn't come from the spirit. That came from my flesh. We want to grow yeah. to that place. Yeah. We want to get confirmation. That's why you want to have spiritual leaders in yeah. your life that know how to separate. But on the same side, at the same moment, the Holy Spirit was saying. Think bigger. Yeah. I've got big stuff for you. Think bigger. Yeah. You might not. You might not own that exact apartment. You know. You might not own. You might not ever even go there. But I want you to think bigger. Yeah. I want you to stop thinking small because I can do great and mighty things. Yeah. You yeah. know. And now think about that. That is opening up the door for God to actually speak the right vision. Yeah. So it's important for us to be wary of the wrong corrupted vision. Yeah. And it doesn't just come from somebody preaching it or somebody saying it. It can come from just us seeing something, watching something, and longing for it by the flesh, but the Spirit never gave a word for it, right? Yeah. If you're going to have provision for the vision, it has to be a word from God. Yeah. If you're going to yeah. put that in the comments, if you're going to have provision for the vision, it must originate in a word from God. Yeah. Yeah. It must originate in a word from God. If you're going to have provision for the vision, it must originate in the word of God. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that was Jesus's whole point when he kind of got stern with the disciples when they saw the storm and they're like, "Jesus, are you just going to sleep and watch us die with this right. storm?" Because God had already given them a word. He had already given them yeah. the what. He had already given them the when. It yes. was for right then. It was a word for yeah. right then, not in the future. <laughs> he said, go to the other side. Right now, go to the other side. And that was his word. 
They yeah. had everything yeah. they need. They had the provision for that. And the storm came and just like, you know, the Israelites saw the giants in the land, even though God had given them the word, you will have this promised land. Yeah. And it was for them. They saw the giants and that's what stopped them is they focused on the giants and not the provision of the word of God of, well, he's told us that this is ours. I don't know how it's going to come about, but I trust God. Yes. And that's why Jesus got so stern with the disciples of, why have you lost faith? He's given us the word to get to the other side. So this storm that seems to be standing in the way, who's more powerful, the word of God or yeah. this storm trying to stop? And yeah. they saw the storm as more powerful than the word of God. And that's why Jesus got kind of frustrated with them in that moment because they weren't seeing that. And that we've got yes. the same situations in our hands of, okay, God's given me a vision for something. We may know the when, we may not, but we know the what. And yeah. we can't let anything, any attack, anything that tries to get in between us and that be bigger than the word of God. Yes, that's right. Well, uh, you know, one, one of the things that was coming to me, you know, as we were, as you were talking about, you know, the make sure your vision is from God, it, it just kind of threw me back to something I heard Jonathan Ellsworth say years ago. He said, a need doesn't constitute a calling. That's know? right. Or, yeah. Or, or, or in this context, yes. a need doesn't constitute a vision. You know, yes. you can have a missionary come and they can show all the pictures of all the hungry children, you know, and yeah. you can feel something stirring up like, oh, man, they need help. I need to go, you know, yeah. like, and, and yeah. we can take that, that flesh or soulish feeling yeah. of, uh, and be like, you know, I need to go do that. But, you know, there's also that here in Albemarle. Yeah. There's also people yeah. who need the Word of God here. There's also people who need the Word of God in Chicago and in Florida yes. and, in, and in California. Oh, yeah. my, my, they need it in California, you know? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. so, like, am I going to be that for everyone? Am I going to be able to go to all yes. those places? Yeah. Absolutely not. There's needs all over the place. Jesus, yeah. like even Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you, you know? Yeah. Um, he, he wasn't saying that because we're not supposed to give to the poor, but basically what he was saying, like, but, but in the whole context of everything that we're saying, you know, it, it's important to recognize, no, a need doesn't constitute uh, that I have right. something to do. I remember I was on a board for like a, uh, uh, like a Christian organization, like, back in Pennsylvania, where they would do, like, kids' Bible clubs at schools and stuff. Yeah. And uh, one of the ladies on that board started, like, she was getting really passionate because there was, like, churches that weren't, um, that weren't getting involved in their, that particular ministry. And she said, all these yeah. churches that aren't getting involved in this ministry are in sin. And I was like, I, I, I left the board shortly after that. But, like, yeah. like. But, like, I recognize that she had a passion because the Lord gave her a vision for that ministry. But yes. just because someone else doesn't have a vision for that particular ministry doesn't mean they're, they're in no, sin. No, correct. Because yeah. how yeah. many other ministries are there in Pittsburgh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 are, that are doing the same thing, you know, or, yeah. or doing, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but, um, but just because there's a need, that doesn't mean that, that God, God's the one who provides the need, not me. Yeah. Right. So, so if I see a need, I, I can ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, is there anything you want me to do about that? Yeah. Because really, success in life is obedience. You've said yeah. that. You know, yes. success is obedience. That's correct. Am I being obedient to what God has specifically, the vision that God has given me? Or, yeah. or am I allowing all these other visions from all these other people to get correct. my mind off of the vision? Because a good vision that God gave to somebody else 
the devil can try to use that to get your eyes off of your vision. That's you know? exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Like, like if I'm comparing myself with someone else's vision or my vision with someone else's vision, yes. that'll cloud me from being able to actually Correct. fully see the vision that God has for me. Yeah. You know? yes. that, like I shouldn't get my eyes off of the vision that God has placed me in now, you know, and yes. what right. he's calling me to do now because, well, what they're doing looks nice. You know, Correct. What yeah. they're doing looks fun. Look at how successful they are. Maybe if I, I started doing that, you know, maybe yes. maybe I would feel more successful because I, I started entering into... But basically, what they're doing, I'm not going to yeah. be successful if I'm doing that. Cause no, that's it's not my corrupted. Yeah. 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 You think about anything that's corrupted is basically not able to produce at the level it was designed mm -hmm. to produce. Yeah. yeah. Corruption doesn't mean that it was all bad. It just means it's not able to produce at the level it was designed that God had vision for it to yeah. produce at. Now think yeah. about that. So in other words, you could have exactly what you were saying. You could have somebody that is called and they have their own vision and somebody else be drawn to that vision, but they're drawn out of their own. Yeah. And now yeah. they'll never produce what mm -hmm. they're called to do. And that vision that yeah. God had for them is corrupted by somebody else's vision that's not corrupted. They allowed it to corrupt and pull and draw them in that. Yeah. So this becomes very important to recognize is part one, if you want to start with vision and get a fresh start in vision, know that God has personal vision for you. Yeah. Two, don't allow your vision to be corrupted, which yeah. is what we're talking about. Don't yeah. know that it can be corrupted yeah. and don't allow it to be corrupted, which means that you follow the Word of God, you, the, the Bible, mm -hmm. you, the standard of all of our life, you follow that, you follow the Word that He's spoken to you, and you get confirmation from the people that God has placed in your life, namely, probably for most people, your pastor, yeah. and you, you get confirmation that yeah. this is what's going on, and don't just start thinking on your <laughs> own. That's a way vision can get corrupted right. is you just go off and you're just all on your own. You have no wise counsel. You have no, you have no confirmation, which God tells us to get confirmation. Test yeah. the spirits, right? And so first thing, know that he has a vision. Second, don't let that vision be corrupted. Yeah. Think about this. I'm going to give you a couple examples. I'm glad that you brought that up. I was getting ready to bring up the exact same thing. One of the best decisions that we ever made in our ministry was when we moved uh, out of the house and we were moving into our first building that we were renting. And somebody had had, supposedly, had had vision in that building uh, to feed people out of that building every Sunday. And, uh, you know, people around thought that that was a good idea and everything. And, and they said, well, now if you come into this building, because uh, you could take over that ministry. And I, and I said, no, we can't. Because here's the thing. Because why? We had no word to do that. Right. We had no word. Like we have a word to feed the poor, but we're doing that through a different means. We had no word yeah. to do that style of ministry at right. that time in that place. We yeah. did not have that word. So if, yeah. if there was no word, there's no provision. There's no vision there. Yeah. Yeah. Without provision, there's no vision. Right? Without vision, there's no provision. But without provision, there's no vision. Yeah. Yeah. It goes both ways. There's no provision for that. But why? Because there was no word for it. There was no yeah. vision for it. Right. And so one of the things we said no. And I'm sure that some religious minds like, you know, didn't like that and everything. I was yeah. like, no. 
Like, here's the thing. They, if it worked for them, it's because they had a vision for it. And the question is, why are they still not doing it? Why are they not continuing on? Like, we're we're not standing in their way, but you're asking me to take over. See, somebody just started what they considered a good thing. And the truth is, probably not with a word from God. They just felt like, I want to do this. And then it fell apart because there was no original vision. So now you're asking me to take hold of a vision that whether they got it right or not, I definitely don't have it. It's just going to fall apart again. It's going to waste resources. It's going to waste time. And no. And that's what a good leader understands and knows how to say no. And uh, because you don't say yes to everything, right? Uh, Listen, all the promises of God are yes and amen, but that's because he promised them. <laughs> like, you don't make promises God didn't tell you to make. Uh, let your yes. yes be yes and your no be no. There is a place for us to say no. And uh, so put that in the comments. It's okay to say no. <laughs> it's okay to say no. Everything that you feel like a godly person is asking you doesn't mean you have to say yes all the time, and you shouldn't. Yeah. You have to. You have to understand. Now, if you're planted in a place, that's a different. That's a different thing. But if you you've got people that are just pulling on you and they're you know stamping the God stamp with it, yeah. like that doesn't mean it's for you to do. You know, you have people all the time trying to get other people to do what they have vision for, like what you were saying. That doesn't mean you're supposed to follow it. Don't let your vision be corrupted. So number one, God has a vision for you individually. Two, don't let your vision be corrupted. Uh, Know that from the beginning. That's how the devil, once you know that God has a vision for you, the next thing he tries to do is corrupt your vision. All right. Now, uh, and let me add this to it. This happens very often. People will be planted in a church. You'll have an evangelist come in. This is kind of what you're talking about. You have an evangelist or a traveling minister, and they have an exciting ministry. They have an exciting ministry. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody in the congregation feels, they feel like I felt when I was watching that apartment in New York. You know, they'll feel those feelings, and they'll go, I got to go be with him. Do you? Is that what God's saying, or is God anointing you to sow an offering into them, right. right? Is God anointing you to partner with them? Is God anointing you to be like them? Or maybe, what, crazy, is he actually anointing you to, to receive from that so you can manifest it in the place where you're planted? Yeah. Like, let's let some of that evangelism spirit get on individuals yeah. that, that stay in their place and evangelize for the local church. Yeah. <gasps> what? <laughs> That's possible. You don't have to actually go everywhere and preach everywhere like every other traveling event. No, he'll put that spirit of evangelism on. He'll even give them the gift of evangelism in the local church to build the local church, that pillar of truth. Now, that's not to say that, that there aren't many people that are called to that and should go do that. The question is, is that what God's saying for you? But many people can receive a corrupted vision because they had feelings you know when somebody was doing that you have to discern those you have to get confirmation on that stuff you don't just jump you got to make sure that that's for you that that's what god's telling you to do and do now otherwise now think about that that evangelist that's traveling do they have a bad calling no no that if it's right that's a gifting and a vision from god that's not a 
ungodly and corrupted vision. But this other person sitting there can allow that godly vision and the, not, not the vision itself, but the feelings that they get to pull them out of the and corrupt the vision of where they're actually planted. So this is where we have to be mindful of it and understand yeah. the devil will try to take a good heart and turn it ungodly by twisting through feelings and emotions. Remember we talked about last week about how dangerous this trap is in the last days of the soulish realm. Now, of course, you also have people that the evangelist comes to town. I'm not not saying this doesn't happen. You obviously have have leading where people, evangelists will come to town or some other minister will come to town. That person feels that, and God's speaking to them, and he's calling them to go do that kind of ministry. Both of those things happen, but it's not 100% one way or the other, right? You can have the same way where people look at, uh, they see a pastor, and you'll see that, oh, man, that just looks like a dream to minister like that all the time. And they don't know the rest of the story behind it, but they move by feelings, not by vision from God. Part two, don't allow your vision to be corrupted. Amen. Go ahead. Uh, I just had one more thing to add to that. like, there have been many times, especially, like, in ministry, where I've been reading a book, and I've heard, like, as I'm reading a book, I hear a process or a method or yeah. a vision yeah. that yeah. God gave to another minister, and then I instantly adopt that into what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's great. That's so yeah. smart. I, I should do, do that. that. Yeah, I should do that yeah. without, you know, yeah. acknowledging the Lord in all that I do. Yes. To, you know, Proverbs. Lord, do you want me to do this? Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. this for me? What do you yeah. Here's a good question. Lord, what do you, and that can corrupt your vision mm-hmm. because yeah. what that does, it goes back to what we were saying yesterday where you have to be who God's created you to be. Yeah. You yeah. can adopt what somebody else did and do it for their reason. And all of a sudden, what you're doing is corrupted because God wasn't telling you to do it that yeah. way. There's many ways to do most things, yeah. most things. Yeah. You know, there's some absolutes in the word, but most things, there's yeah. many ways to do them. Um, and, and that was a great lesson for me because, you know, I, I, I had the tendency, especially early on, like my way is the best way. <laughs> I know none of y'all have ever thought like that. Um, but if you ever do, that's not true. Um, it is, there's many ways to do many things, right? There's many ways. And that's why you want to receive and listen. But then here's the question, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? Not even do you want me to do that or not, because do you want me to do do that or not basically is a yes or no. It's kind yeah. of an all-in end of that process. Yeah. But God may actually want to take one piece of that process and add it to you, right. you see. And so, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? What? How do you want me to handle that? And then walk away. Don't even think about it anymore. You ask the Lord the question. He's the one bringing the wisdom, not your logic, trying to figure that out. Walk away from it. Forget it. Forget yeah. about it. You know, move on into yeah. the next thing that, that you're doing. Continue reading. Forget about that whole process. If it's the Lord, you ask him. You ask him. Go, he'll bring you back to it and say, hey, remember that process? I want you to take that part, and I want you to apply it over here. And yeah. now, what are you allowing? You're allowing the vision to come from who? From the Lord, yeah. not from a book, not from a very good process, maybe even a godly process. 
you're asking the Lord, how do we apply that? Is there anything in there for me to do, see, change, right? And you're leaving yourself open to instruction, correction, and redirection from the Lord. That's that's a humility uh, portion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just following up with that, one of the one of the uh, most one of the times where I learned that the most is when we came back from the that media conference hosted by uh, Encounter Today. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, when we came back from that that conference, yeah. I, I mean, we received a ton of stuff, like a yeah. ton of information. A ton. Like an insane amount of like, you can yeah. do this, this will make things better and easier. And it was all great information. It was, yeah. And it was anointed information too. Yeah. It, was, it was great. You know, like we were like coming back, like kind of like wiped out, you know, yeah. like just because there was so much of it. Yeah. But like my mind was instantly going to, okay, we need to change this. We need to change this. Yeah. My mind, not not the Lord or anything yes, like that. Yeah. My mind was like, okay, this will help. This will help us boost things and stuff like that. And uh, in, in that whole process, what surprised me, what, not surprised me, but, like, what, what looking back on it, in, in the moment, like, I was like, we need to do all these things and change all these things now. Um, and you <laughs> were not that way. You, you were, okay, we received a lot, you know. Yeah. Basically, let's take, take it to the Lord and let, let the yeah. Holy Spirit kind of do what the Holy Spirit yeah. does. Let him, let him work it out. Let him show us the pieces to change and win. Because yeah. if we changed everything all at once, we'd probably be operating more in our logic and in our soul. We would be. We would be. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if Honestly, not, the thought of it yeah. had worn out the whole car. The whole car was like this on the way home. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, we had you a, know, everybody was worn out in their head before we ever even did anything. They were, they were already tired <laughs> because they were already changing everything in their head. And I was like, oh, time out. Yeah. It was a nice conversation. <laughs> I like how you're saying they. As if, <laughs> it was. Well, it was. Us, the whole yeah. car was like, yeah. man, that's a lot of stuff to do. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, no, just yeah. time just, out. Just rest. Yeah. The, Holy Ghost the Lord will show us. And, uh, and he has. And he has. Yeah. yeah. And we've implemented some of those things. We didn't do it all at once. Sure. You know, and, but we just let the Lord lead it, and and it was good. Yeah, and it yeah. worked out, and it's been it's been anointed, and it's been great. And it, honestly, if we adopted this mentality, then yes, would have, that would have been such a nicer car ride. <laughs> <laughs> but it see, now you know that. Yeah, you know, now yeah. you know that. And that, and how do you think I got to that point by wearing myself out and receiving corrupted vision from my logic instead yeah. of those things? Yeah. And and it'll get you all path. And then all of a sudden you're doing something that doesn't work. And you say, Lord, why is this not working? And he says, Well, you remember back then when you did this and you just jumped. <laughs> and, and 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 you know I did yeah. that enough times to learn yeah. that's not the way to do this. You know, and I relax on it. Let it. Let the Lord show us those things and. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll lead us along that path. God, listen, God is very interested in your every step. If he's interested in every yeah. hair on your head, isn't he interested in every step that you take in your life? So God's interested in that, which also means that he will direct you. He yeah. will help you yeah. through that process. Yeah. So we have this idea that God will give us one big thing, and then he's never with us the rest of the time. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's very interested in giving you the details of your life as you need them. And so we're not alone in this. Put that in the comments. We are not alone in this race. We're not alone in my journey. I'm not alone in my journey. God is with me. Jesus is with me. And what a beautiful promise, you know. 
What a beautiful thing to stand on and have that foundation. In your vision, you know, God's given us a great vision for Boomerang Church uh, and, and all the ministries associated with it and what's right. He's given us a great vision and yeah. a big vision. And, man, there's parts of that vision. I look at it, I'm like, I don't even know how. I have no idea how to do that. And there's still parts of that. I have no idea how yeah. to do that. And I'm learning new stuff every day. I'll have conversations. You know, as you keep serving people, as you keep serving people, God opens up stuff. And so I was, you know, I'll have conversations with people all the time that are pulling and drawing. And when they come and they ask questions, they are submitting and the word says, when you submit in that humility, it opens up grace and greater grace. And so all of a sudden, an answer will come out of me by the Spirit. I've never even answered for myself before. Yeah. And I'll get wisdom on what I need to do because I was helping to serve somebody else. Happens all the time. And so I pay attention. when, when somebody. That's why I love it when people come and call and ask for things. I love that because what actually happens is, the Lord will open my eyes to something yeah. for them, but I get the benefit of it too, right? And then we learn from that, we, and we grow from that, and we move forward. We get better and better and better. God will give you a big vision, but he'll be with you through it all. Yeah. He'll be with you through it all. Yeah. He's, not, he's not like, here, good luck. You know, <laughs> That's not how he does. That's why he gave us the Holy yeah. Spirit. That's yeah. why the Holy Spirit is so important, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important. And uh, so uh, one of the things we talked about is know, to start a vision, get a fresh vision, know that God has an individual vision for you. Yeah. Two, know that, you, that the devil's going to try and corrupt it. Don't let that vision be corrupted. Yeah. The third thing is to start and give, get a fresh vision Operate in the vision that you already know is God for you. Operate in the vision that you already know is God for you. In other words, don't step into, don't step into another place. Operate in that vision. So any person that's born again that's never even heard one ounce of vision from God for their life already has vision that's given to them. And that vision is found right here. Yep. So they got yeah. a book full of the vision of God. And so there's already things and pieces of vision that's been spoken over each one of us. Yeah. Some, of the, some of that vision is dealing with basically our fruitfulness. Grow in the Lord and make disciples. And, and basically you can wrap it all up by saying make, make disciples. Yeah. So when, and that's why that was the great commission, right? It, he, yeah. And notice, it's not the great mission, it's the commission. In other words, God has commission, and commissioning is an empowering to go do that. Yeah. So he said, go and make disciples, go and, go and make disciples. When he said that, he was saying, if you're going to make a disciple, that means somebody disciplined after God, first of all, you have to know what to teach them. So you've got yeah. to have revelation, so that's a vision to have revelation. He said, if you're going to make disciples, then they have to have been born in the family first. So that means we have to win souls, yeah. right? Yeah. So when he said make disciples, you've got to have revelation. If you're teaching them the ways of God, you also got to be walking in power. How can they be a disciple after the things of God and not have any power, right? Yeah. That's not somebody disciplined after God. That's somebody disciplined after somebody in the world, right? 
So they got to be walking in revelation. They got to be walking in power. They got to be walking in the fruit of the spirit. If they're going to be a disciple, they have to be walking in an intimate fellowship and, and the fellowship with God. If they're going to be a disciple, they have to walk in corporate fellowship. They have to be walking with other believers. So all of that is wrapped up in go and make disciples. Like, and, and I could probably list more and more things, but you can see my point. So you have them go make disciples. That means all the disciplines of a Christian's life, the basics of a Christian's life, at, the, at least at the beginning, you have go and win souls. But then you also have, you can't do that without being in the family yourself, right? Yeah. So get in the family of God, have an intimate fellowship with God, win souls, and make disciples, and walk in all the disciplines of a Christian walk. All right, well now, how do we grow, how do we get trained and equipped to do that? How do we get trained and equipped to do that and grow into the fullness of the discipline of Christ? Well, it's very simple. In Ephesians 4, he says, this is what he gave us the ascensions gifts for. And in Ephesians 4, 8, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. In verse 11, it explains those, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he says, this is basically the body of Christ. This is the church. And in that church, he's going <laughs> to train and equip us to do the work of the ministry, do those things, so that till we grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And then surrounding that, he says, don't forsake the assembling together of the saints. Yeah. And then in Psalm 92, he tells us, and when you plant yourself in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, God has a place in that body for you. Yeah. And in Psalm 92, he, when you plant yourself in God's placement, not your placement or your choice, your choice is to be obedient or not, not the place. Your choice is to be obedient or not to plant yourself in the place that God's, that God's placed you. Your yeah. choice is not the place. That's God's choice. Yeah. Your choice is to be obedient to his placement or not. Yeah. Then when you plant yourself, you'll flourish. When you plant yourself, you'll flourish, you'll grow, and guess what will happen? God will give you the individual vision in that place that you need. Because in, he's designed you to be planted in a specific soil, a specific uh, spiritual temperate climate, right? Not every yeah. tree can grow in every place in the world. He's designed you specifically to have a place where you will flourish. And when you die to your own self and die to the old fleshly man's vision and plant yourself in the vision of God, yeah. then God will enhance. That's the number one vision. The number one vision for every person is to be a part of the body of Christ and to win souls and make disciples. That's the number, that's the number one vision for everybody. So people say all the time, well, I just feel like I'm called to be a minister. Minister, are you planted and winning souls and making disciples? Well, I, you know, when's the last soul that you want? Right? Don't talk to me about ministry until you're moving in these things. Yeah. Because if you're not moving in these things, you have no business trying to duplicate yourself because you're not duplicating yourself on your own. That's not who you are. So if you're yeah. called to be a minister, then the first thing you ought to be doing is very good at planning yourself in the body of Christ, winning souls, and making disciples before you ever move into ministry. These are things yeah. that should be occurring, that yeah. should be happening. Uh, that's what we're training up here. We're training yeah. every believer 
to be a minister in that way. I'm not saying every, every believer is moving into fivefold ministry, but if they were called of God, they'll be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> they'll be planted, winning souls, and making disciples, and that's what every church should be doing. And so in that place, you'll find that ministry. You'll find what God has called you yeah. to do. So yeah. step number one is know that God has an individual ministry for you. Step number two is don't, or vision for you. Step number two is don't let that vision be corrupted. Step number three is step into the vision that God, that you know that God has already told you. And now watch this, watch this. This is really, really good. And this would solve so many ministers' problems if they would adhere to what I'm about to say. If, if ministers, so many ministers, if they would adhere to what I'm about to say, it would solve so many of their problems. But many of them, I find, are not willing to do this. And because of that, I feel like their life will not fulfill the vision fully that God has for them. The vision that we know already that's in the Word, be planted, win soul, be planted, be a disciple yourself. When, be planted in the local body, win souls, make disciples. That's the vision for every person in the family of God and vision of God. We know it, it's written. Almost every other vision that a minister has for themselves is not written in that word. It's a word that they've received from somebody else or they have received from God themselves, and that means that it has come through. We know that this is a supernatural book and we know that every scripture is inspired and holy. We know that. But every other word beyond that needs to be tested. And many times we, we thought we tested that word when we were the least mature in Christ and then we never gone back and tested that again. And God says, see, we're not being disobedient to the word to uphold it like it, like it was God and we don't test it. We're being yeah. disobedient to do that. We're actually being honoring of God to take that word, put it on the altar, and let the fire of God burn it up if it needs to, or yeah. let it be proven on that altar and go back to it and make sure that we test it and confirm it, yeah. right? And many ministers have an idea of what they're called to because somebody said something to them or they thought they heard from the Lord and they never fully test it. They never fully tell. And I'll tell you this. I've talked to many ministers over the years. Most of them, if I talk to them and ask them, do you know that you know that you're called to what you're doing? Almost 80, 90%, probably 95% would say, absolutely. And they would not relent on that. And the, and the problem is they've never relented on that and never fully mm -hmm. tested it. Yeah. But if they would do that and test that, mo many of them, I would say most of them, would find out they're trying to operate in a calling that God never gave them vision for. Yeah. And because of that, there's no provision. That's why they're lacking. Yeah. This is a major deal, right? Yeah. Okay, there's another part of, of doing the vision that we'll talk about in a second, but go yeah. ahead. Well, there, I remember, just as an example, I remember when I was about eight or nine, and like I really felt the call of God dealing just with Africa. Like, I loved Africa. I had yeah. a heart, and I was, like, re like I was pretty little, but I knew, like, I, like, God's put Africa on my heart, and, yeah. like, you and Mama confirmed, like, God is doing something with you in Africa. Yeah. 
And at the same time, immediately in my eight or nine-year-old head, I was like, well, I must be a missionary. Like, that must be what God's calling. Why would he, like, why would he put Africa on my heart and it not be a missionary? So, because that's all that I could imagine at that time. And I thought that that was the word of the Lord. And so both of those things came, the heart for Africa, and then I'm going to be a missionary, came at the exact same time. And I knew Africa was confirmed. And the only thing I figured was missionary was confirmed as well. And I went years and years, like I went up into teenage years knowing, okay, like I'm pretty sure God's called me to be a missionary to Africa at some point. And um, like after, after a couple years, I think I like, I had said something to you about it and you were like, did God say missionary? Um, and I was like, well, yeah, yeah. And, and you were like, are you sure? And I had assumed because it came basically at the same time. Yeah. I thought that it was him and I went years thinking it's confirmed it's him. And it wasn't. It totally wasn't. It was just my head. That was. I just. That yeah. was the only thing I could think of to do with Africa. You had a thought exactly. at the same time. Yeah. But that didn't mean it was a word from God. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the thought of being a missionary in Correct. Africa, I mean, that seemed exhilarating. I I was thinking about how much I would love to do that and stuff. But you were like, I if he hasn't said a word, I would not set your heart on that. Yeah. Because that's right. I don't. I don't, you said, I don't think I have peace that that was the Lord. And I, I submitted and I checked it. And sure enough, I, I didn't have a peace either. And the Lord showed me where I had just made it up in my head. And that's the kind of humility that we should all be walking in. That would say, imagine, imagine that played out. Yeah. When God never said it and you try to go do it. Yeah. 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 And so it's not saying like, Oh, like, man, I had all these dreams and aspirations and God killed them. Like, not at all. God has even greater things than I could ever imagine. I know they have something to do with Africa. I just don't know what at this point. But it's not that God, like, killed that dream that I had as a child to be a missionary to Africa. No, I made that up in my head. I also wanted to be a doctor and a hairstylist in the same week. (laughs) So, um, I, like, God knows exactly, like you were saying at the very beginning, the desires of our heart, not the desires of our flesh. And and at that moment, the desire, and I know it sounds weird, but, like, the desire of my flesh was to be a missionary. God hadn't said that yet. God Mm. At this point, I don't think God had placed it in my heart. And we've got to be honest with ourselves. And as we do, God is able to open up doors that would be even greater. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably not called to be a missionary to Africa, but he is calling me to something that is going to touch more people's lives, that's going to do so much more good, and that I'm going to be able to do better than a missionary to Africa, and that I'm going to enjoy better than that. And that's the power of submitting. That's why it's so important to submit everything, all of these visions, all of these ideas, aspirations. It's so important to submit them. But it's also easy to think that, oh, I have submitted it. I thought that it was completely confirmed. And it's just important to, okay, let me lay this back on the altar. Yeah. I, I remember we were having a conversation about this like a year ago or something like that. And I remember where I was, like, because it was such a flesh button for me. Because, like, yeah. cause there was something that I thought the Lord was very clearly leading me to do. And, um, and basically, you, all you were, 
you weren't telling me it's not the Lord. You weren't yeah. telling me any of that stuff. You were just saying you need to be willing to lay that on the altar and throw it aside, right? Yeah. And in my, fle- in my flesh and in my logic and partially in re- religiousness, um, I was like, I, that just sounded irresponsible to me. If this is the Lord, why should yeah. I set it aside? If this is the Lord, why should I lay it on the altar? You know? Yeah. Like, why yeah. should I do this? And you might have brought this up in that conversation, but, like, I, I remember I was having a real hard time with it. Um, <laughs> you, and, and you might have brought this up in that conversation. I really don't know, but it just kind of came, like, hit, hit me right now, going back to your message on Sunday, is, yeah. wasn't Isaac from God? You know? <laughs> Isaac right. was from God. Yeah. And Abraham quite literally laid him <laughs> on the altar. Yeah. And yeah. quite literally lifted up the knife, getting yes. ready to... To, yeah. to, to kill his son, you know? Yes. And, and was he from God? 100%. We have the word. It's all recorded that yes. God gave yeah. the word yeah. for Isaac. Yes. Like, you know, all, all of that. He gave it to Isaac. Uh, Isaac was absolutely from God, and Abraham yeah. laid it on the altar. And God and, and yes. God's testimony about him is he's our father of faith. You know? That's yeah. right. So, That's like, right. so if I'm operating in faith, you know, if I'm operating in faith in a, in a way that the father of of faith operated yes. in, I have to be willing on taking something that I might be confident as God and laying that on the altar. Yes. And that pleases yeah. God. God was yes. pleased in that yeah. whole situation. Um, but but I was having such a hard time in that moment because it, it just seemed so irresponsible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I believe this is God. Why should I lay it aside? Why should yeah. I lay it on the altar? You know, if, I, if I'm confident that this is the Lord, that just seems irresponsible for me to kill it. But no, that's actually the most responsible thing that yeah. I can do is yeah. lay it on the altar. And, and see what the Lord does in that moment. You know, yeah. See what the yeah. Lord says in that moment. Like, no, stop. This, continue. You know, like, yeah. here. Like, or, or, not kill it. That's not me. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, think about this. If God is so good and he loves us so much and he wants to help us so much, why would we have a problem laying anything, even what we think is him? Like, isn't every blessing <laughs> yeah. that we give in the offering... <laughs> From God, and yet yeah. we offer it back? Yeah. Like, if he's so good, why in the world would we ever have a problem laying something back on the altar? Because yeah. if we're giving it, like, I, Lord, yeah. watch this. Lord, you who are so good and so awesome and so willing to help me and love me, I take this very precious thing to you, and I yield it to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To who? To the best love that there is who's only going to give us the best thing that we can have. He's only going to give us the only good answer yeah. that comes out of it. Why would we be afraid to do that? <laughs> and see, that shows that we don't know our relationship or we don't know him yeah. or our flesh has really got our hooks into something that we yeah. don't want to let go of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when it comes to vision... You're talking about the rest of your life. Yeah. And if you're not willing to take your hooks out of it and place it in the hands of God who knows what to do with it and knows all the ins and outs of it and knows whether or not to say, that wasn't me, or to go, this was me. I give yeah. it back to you now. Right? Isn't God good enough and big enough to do that? Why would we be afraid to do that? And you can see there's a problem there. There's an issue there. Yeah, Barrett put in the comments, she said, the only times I've ever had a hard time laying things on the altar is if I was unsure that something was from him. 
like I don't, yeah. like, I don't, I don't want to be proven wrong. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, it's like I don't want to call pastor because he may tell me no. Well, that means <laughs> you don't know. You're biased, and that's exactly the moment you should call pastor yeah. and, and submit it to the Lord, you know. Yeah. Um, that's, that's exactly the type of environment that you need to do that yeah. with. But if you think about that, like how this is a holy thing. Lord, I, I take what is so precious to me. And, and think about this, a ministry calling. You know what makes me so strong in my ministry calling today? It's because literally after I was called and told all my life that I was a pastor, I felt like I had separation into the pastoral office and even was a pastor in starting the church. I took my pastoral office and my calling and gifting and I put it on the altar about 20 times. About, about enough times where the Lord said, don't do it again. Like, you've tested me. You've humbled yourself to me. You, you know who you are and what yeah. you're called to do. Go. And I was like, oh, well, now, you, not only have I heard that from the men of God in my life, but I've heard it from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. That gives me a resolve. I was so willing to set that aside and not be that guy, yeah. not take ministry. Like, go, yeah. let me go serve somebody else. I told him, I said, let me go serve somebody else. I'll be great at, at a, the, you know, the person that helps the leader. I'll do that also. I know some of the pressures of leadership and what they're yeah. facing. I can help alleviate those. I'll do that also. Like, yeah. you know, especially, and so all of a sudden you start to see that that heart is what really will empower somebody to be the right person in that place. Well, let me ask you this question too, buddy. Like, in my opinion, when you came here, you were an above average person looking to minister. Like, you weren't, you weren't just an average believer. You were an above-average person uh, in that way. But, but answer this question because so we're talking about somebody who's been through Bible school, who's done ministry, who's done different things when you arrived here. But how, like even in that thought, like that thought, I, I remember when we talked about it, that thought bewildered you. Like how many concepts did you find in this place at Boomerang and under my leadership, like, I mean, you don't have to give an exact number, but how many things were your whole concepts, like, completely transformed by the Word of God now? And you see it so differently, but you had, like, it challenged your whole way of thinking. How, mu how much of that happened? Uh, it's, been, it's been a journey. Um, <laughs> it's like The Hobbit. It's a long, long journey. I mean, it's only been three years, and I know there's a lot more, but basically a lot, a lot of unwiring had to be done, like a lot of unlearning, a lot of new learning, like, yeah. like a, a, lot of, a lot of things that I thought I knew that yeah. I realized I didn't know. And you're yeah. a smart guy. Yeah. I mean, you're not a dumb guy. I mean, you're a smart guy. Yeah. So it's not like you were, you were thinking wrong things because you didn't have the capability. It wasn't like you were thinking wrong things because you wanted to do evil. Like, right. that's not, you wanted to do good. You understood yeah. concepts and different things, but it's been challenged, like, a lot. Yeah. And, and then how many things have you come back and, and you keep meditating in the Word and I'll point you to the Word and God will speak to you about it, and you're like, doggone, that's true. Mm -hmm. It's quite a few, yeah. isn't yeah. it? It's a lot. And, and it challenged your whole concept of theology and how to think and process. Yeah, well, that, like I was, 
there's been many times that you were saying things and sharing things and I just couldn't see it. Just like <laughs> like the one yeah. we talked about now, you know. Yeah. Like I couldn't see how that was a, resp- a responsible thing to do, you know. Yeah. But in a lot of those, and I would like to say in all of them, you know, and, and I'm working on that, but like in most all of them, I, I would take some time and step back and say, Lord, I, I don't understand it and I don't see it now. Help me to understand it and help me to see it. And yeah. every single time he's helped me. Yeah. yeah, you know, every single time he's he's help, he's taken my hand or he he's reminded me like like there have been times when you're like hey you you're, you're dealing with this and you need to work on this. I'm yeah, like, I don't think that that's true. You know, like I I don't <laughs> see that at all. Yeah, you know, one of them was pride. <laughs> you know, like you, you need to deal with pride. I don't think I need to deal with pride. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, which is just funny to think about. You know? <laughs> but like, but I couldn't see it. And then the Lord was like, hey, you remember this time when you did this? Oh, that's pride. Yeah, remember this time when you were doing this? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. you got to deal with it, you know, yeah. and, and that helped sure. me deal with it. And yeah. I wouldn't have actually even considered it or thought it if it hadn't been brought up, you know. Yeah. So there's, yeah. But there's been countless times when you've brought things up, and I'm like, I, I don't understand that, and I don't see it. Yeah. Lord, yeah. help me. And he's helped me every time. Because, sure, yeah. You know, and basically what I was doing in that those moments was, I don't see it, but I'm going to lay this on the altar. Yeah. Lord, Lord, let your fire... First off, burn up anything that's not of you, but also let your light just shine reveal it. it. Yeah. yeah, shine yeah. on it. Help, help me to see what I'm not seeing myself. Because right now, like I can look at the TV right now, but I can't see my face. Like I can't see yeah. myself. You can see me more than I can see. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we think we know ourselves more than anyone else in the world. But that's actually not true. Yeah. You know, first off, God knows me more than I know me. That's yeah. right. But honestly, that's right. In, in all honesty, our leaders probably know us more than we know us. We know us by our intentions, which isn't right. always actually us. Yes, yeah. yes. Which isn't always accurate. Like, like the Lord was showing me this like last week. Like, um, the that I used to think that I knew me more than anybody else, but that's not that's not true. Not necessarily. I, I know true. my intentions. Yeah. Which, yes. But but I'm not I'm not my intentions. You know. Jesus said yeah. they'll yeah. be known by yeah. their fruit. Yeah. 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 By my actions. Yeah. You know. Like yeah. God's not going to say. Uh, you know, well-intended, good and faithful servant. You know, yeah. he's not. Yeah. Like, you know, because he like that's not. It's not based on our intentions. He's going right. to say, "Well done." Yeah. So I'm not my intentions. You know, I'm not necessarily my actions. I'm a spirit man. You know, yeah. but like, but um, but when it comes to these things, laying things on the altar, you know, a lot of, you know, we need to be willing to humble ourselves and submit some of those yeah. things and say, "God, help me shine a light on some things because I don't know me as much as you know me." And, right. and I don't, and I don't know where I'm missing it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or else I would be fixing it right now. Yeah. You know, if I yeah. knew all the areas that I was missing it, I would probably be a mess, you know. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but like God is merciful and he'll, he'll show me those One things, step at a time. You know, one step yeah. at a time. And yeah. as I work on that, he'll show me another thing. You know, it's, I'm always going to be fixing things, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I'm never going to stop fixing things, you know. Yeah. Um, but God's always going to be just helping me and holding my hand and, as long as I'm humbling myself to him. Yes. You know? Yeah. But, so to answer your question, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and think about that process, too, yeah. was the only reason that you had breakthrough was you humbled yourself to the Lord. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in humility, grace was released and greater grace was released. But what about the opposite? What if you didn't subject yourself to, to the, into the hands of God? What if you didn't subject your thoughts and even your past vision into that, 
would grace be released to find what's actually true? Or would you be clouded and blocked from that and maybe setting yourself running straight into a problem? And that's what many Christians have done because they've allowed vision to be corrupted and they didn't even know they allowed it. That's why I'll say this one more time. To, for many, many ministers, this will greatly help them if they will do this. Take what you think you know in vision and humbly, in all humility, and this is your responsibility to let go of some of this and trust God, set that vision that you think that you know now. Even if you think it's recent and, and current and you received it in maturity, most received uh, most received the uh, seed of their vision that they have now in their least maturity. Take it, set it on the altar, and let the fire of God touch it. If it burns, yeah. throw it away. And if it glows with the glory of God, pick it up and run with it. But don't do that in a I know what's going to happen kind of way because you set yourself up for failure. Yeah. That would straighten out the majority of ministers and what they're doing where they're going, and many would find, many, I'm telling you, many would find they are not doing what God actually has envisioned for their life. Yeah. Many would find they're not even in the right office because yeah. the, the religious world has shoehorned them into the wrong place, planted the wrong ideas from somebody operating in their soul but not by the Spirit. Early on, they took it in their soul and ran with it. They think they have a vision, but that vision's not from God. That would help so many ministers. I've found it to be true over the years. And the ones that listen, man, they're so strengthened by it. The ones that have listened that if they are in the right vision, they have such a resolve. And if they're not in the right vision, they now get resolve in that new vision. And it's awesome. It's awesome. So that would help so many ministers. And not just ministers, but Christians as well. Let's have that heart of humility so God can release that grace and greater grace. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right. So this last part, as we're talking about vision, uh, you'll probably, just so you know, you'll probably see that last little clip probably cut out and, and placed online and uh, share it because people need to hear that. But um, yeah. one of the things that you'll see is this. One, if you're moving into fresh vision, know that God has an individual vision for you. Two, don't let that vision be corrupted. Three, to step into that new fresh vision for today and start fresh in the glory of God, nothing, nothing corrupted. Make sure that you operate in the vision that you know that you know that God's already given you. For every believer, fivefold ministry alike, the number one vision for their life is to be born again, win souls, make disciples as they're planted in the, in the body of Christ. Those four things. Be born again. Be, be an intimate fellowship with God. Win souls. Make disciples planted in the body of Christ. That is for every believer. That's vision that God has given to every person. And that vision never ceases. Yeah. So if a person ceases to be a soul winner later on in their life because they're, they're training up soul winners, that means they are not fulfilling God's vision for their life. Yeah. They all should be, we all should be soul winners. We all should be disciple makers. Uh, that should be personal and corporate. Yeah. Pers cor let me say it this way, corporate and personal. If it's not in your personal life, that's not who you are. Like if all it is, if it only takes, if a pastor only wins souls corporately, he's not a soul winner. 
Understand yeah. that. That's not who he is. If he only wins them corporately, I'm not saying, I'm saying if he doesn't have personal soul winning, then he's yeah. not a soul winner. You see, it has to be both corporate and personally fulfilling that vision. That's your starting point, and that's where God will take it, and he'll give you the new vision. So watch this now. In Think about this. Think about Peter, okay? Peter was a fisherman. The vision for Peter's life before Jesus shows up is, I'm going to catch fish, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make money catching fish. But then Jesus says this, come plant yourself with me. Follow me. Follow me. And then he gives them already, right at the beginning, as soon as he's, he says, I'll make you fishers of men, right? At the beginning, he says, I'm going to give you new vision. I'm going to show you what to do. Now, Peter has had this vision of catching actual fish for quite some time. But think about this. During the process, Peter learns, you're the Christ. Peter, Peter learns not to live in his soul. Get behind me, devil, right? Peter learns how to win souls and make disciples. He learns goes out with the 70 and they win souls and they cast out devils. And, and then he learns not to revel in the power that he carried in authority, but revel that he is a child of God. He, he learned how to stay in intimacy with the Father when he went with Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He learned how that intimacy and prayer and fasting gives you the authority to cast out that. He learned how to live as a disciple. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He found that, now watch this, he found the pieces that were going to be integral, be such an a important part of what his later vision is. And then when Jesus dies, and, and he, he learns this, he goes back to his old vision. I'm mm -hmm. going fishing. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then he finds out, he sees Jesus, oh God, I love this, in John 21. I love this moment. And, and all of a sudden, in the middle of fishing, it's not working. Jesus on the shore, cast your net on the other side, reminds him, I'm carrying a power you're not carrying by yourself. And if you'll listen to me and my word, I've got a vision to fulfill. You'll never, you'll never have to live by that old worldly vision again. I have a new vision yeah. for you. Peter sees who it is. It's the Lord, John says. He grabs his stuff. He's all in. And he, and he dives into the vision that Jesus had for his life. Now he steps into, I'm no longer a fisherman. I'm a fisher of men. Yeah. I'm a yeah. fisher of men. He yeah. gets baptized in the Holy Ghost on Pentecost and lays out the net and draws in the biggest catch into the kingdom of God that's ever seen in this new vision of God. Now watch this. But all of this was learned and sought where? Where? When he planted himself at the command of Jesus, follow me. He yeah. said, Lord, I plant myself in your church. I'm planted in your ministry. I'm planted with you. And he learned everything about that new vision and that fresh vision right in following those four things that are already laid out. He got in an intimate fellowship with God. He learned how to win souls and make disciples. He grew in his revelation knowledge to help discipline people after, after Christ. And then yeah. in that, and he planted himself in the place that God placed him in. And in there, he found his vision for his whole life, and he became the apostle Peter that we know. All of those things happen. That's what can happen. That's a model for every believer 
to follow is if they'll do those things, God will give you those pieces of that new vision in your life. He'll show you what it is you're called to do. And even if, even if your vision that God, uh, that God gives you is outside of the planting that you have now, it's still going to come in that planting. Yeah. And here Peter, Peter releases that vision and becomes this great rock, this cornerstone of the church, the Apostle Peter. And uh, man, what a story. And what a model that we have. If you want to start with new and fresh vision, give yourself to what you already know that God's told you to do. Now, if your vision is already beyond that, the first thing I would say is like we were saying before, take what you think your vision is beyond those that, that vision that he's given everybody, take yeah. it and put it on the altar again. Get resolve on it. Get the glory of God on it. Or find out that it was false. Give it some time. Don't just take a, you know, little one-minute prayer this afternoon and, and never test it again. Like, give it some time. Let the Lord give you resolve on that vision. And if you find that you have vision that God's given you personally, then you make sure, if you're stepping into new, fresh vision, take that vision and make sure that you handle it well that he's given you what he's told everybody and what he's given to you. Step into it. Do it well. Do it with excellence. Don't look back. Make sure, make sure, make sure that it's God and step into it. But be willing to test it. That's yeah. important. I watch many young ministers set their whole ministry aside because they think they're taking up their ministry and they're actually laying it aside because they're stepping into a vision God didn't give them. And it works not just for ministers, but for anybody. That can be what field of work you go into. That vision is not just set aside. This teaching's not just for ministers. This is for people who feel called to be an accountant or a lawyer or a politician or a doctor or anything. This, this, this is set in, or just a school teacher or, or something, anything, any field. You know, a stay-at-home mom. All of that can be vision from God, and that's exactly where you need to be. But you want to step into it in the right way. Amen? Amen. Amen. Have you received something out of this today? We just praise God for you. I pray right now, Lord, let us prove and get resolve on every bit of vision that you've given us or throw it away. And Father, as you do that, teach, train, equip, grow us to be able to handle the vision that you have for each person, Lord. Let that individual vision and that destiny come forth in their life. Let them see it so clear. Let them, let them be in intimate fellowship with you. Let them win souls, make disciples, and be planted in the place that you, Father, have chosen for them. And let them receive fresh vision for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We praise you for it, and we give you the glory. Amen. 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 Glory to God. We love you so very much. If you would like to sow seed into that vision and into the ministry, think about this. How many people were touched by this message? Like yeah. we know how many people yeah. have watched today, but how many people are going to watch this message, yeah. right, in the future? I mean, you're talking about the potential of hundreds of thousands, even millions of people that watch this message on yeah. vision, and that'll be moved, Christians that can be moved by that. When you sow into what's right, you're sowing into that. And so you're sowing into every person who got their vision lined up back right where it needs to be and completing that. Uh, we are so happy to have you as a partner with us in that way. If you'd like to sow today, you can go to givew.org. 
And uh, we just, our job is to receive it, put it to good use. There's always things that we're advancing here, uh, new equipment, getting the gospel out, sowing into the community, sowing into our partners. We're doing that to advance the kingdom all the time. You're a part of that, and that reward and grace that's on that for us is on you. In Jesus' name, we watch that all the time. We see constantly where people sowed certain things, and all of a sudden, they reap in their life a multiple, multiple fold of what they've given. We just had it this last week. Somebody yeah. who sewed as a part of a car, and they just, they, they're here, here's the keys to a brand new, nice, nice car. And yeah. uh, it's like this stuff happens all the time. And so when you sow, you sow in faith. We'll take and utilize it to advance the kingdom, but our job also is to bless it. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, bless every person that's sowing. Let it be blessed, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Lord, let the good measure of heaven fall on them in Jesus' name. Lord, we're sowing, knowing, we're knowing that it's going to be multiplied. Knowing that your, your hand is going to multiply it and cause it to be fruitful in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you, and we worship you, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Glory to God.